You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast for the vikingage.com. And for those watching, welcome to the brand new YouTube page for the Viking Age. I'm Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and, and lead writer for the Viking Age. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Shad, who also writes for us here at the Viking Age. Before we get started today, I just wanted to mention something very exciting that is the Viking Age is giving away a beautiful Justin Jefferson jersey. The giveaway began earlier today and ends on May 6th. Terms and conditions apply. And to enter, all you have to do is head to the description of this video and follow the link included for a chance to win a Justin Jefferson jersey. And lastly, make sure you subscribe and like this video. And for those of you that have already done both of those things, we greatly appreciate you. All right, let's get to today's show. And it's not just going to be Chris and I talking today. We have a special guest who's going to help us try and figure out, maybe try and figure out what exactly the Vikings might do during this year's NFL draft. And that guest is Tyler Fornis, who covers college football for NBC Sports Edge, and he also produces content for Climbing the Pocket and the Vikings Wire. So welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, I'm glad to be here, gentlemen. I'm excited to talk Vikings football. It is the best month of the year, April. The snow is finally gone, kind of, and uh, the NFL draft is almost here, and it is a glorious three-day spectacular. It'll be here before we know it. All right, let's just get right into it. Let's not beat around the bush. Do you think the Vikings will draft a quarterback this year? And if they do, when do you think it might happen? And who do you think it could be? I don't know if they'll draft a quarterback this year. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting because they have no ties to Kellen Mond. And Kellen Mond himself, I was not a fan of the pick. I was a fan of the strategy. But Davis Mills was still on the board, and I had him ranked higher than Mac Jones. Uh, Mond was just a guy who never improved throughout his time in college. He was just kind of always this, the same guy. And when you do that in the SEC, it's kind of a red flag for me. And with the Kirk Cousins extension, they're committed to him for one more year. He has the no-trade clause, so it's not like he's a guarantee for 2023. But let's act like he is a guarantee for 2023. If you draft a quarterback outside the first round, you're essentially giving up the first two years of a rookie deal, which are two of the most valuable years 
the whole idea of having a quarterback on a rookie deal is to be able to build it and maximize the team around him to really make a run towards the end of that deal and the first couple years of that big time extension. So if you take one now, it unless you're going to be able to trade Kirk Cousins after the year and let's say Malik Willis falls to 12, like I just don't see it happening. Um, there are guys in like the third and fourth round I think are worth taking a shot at. Um, Carson Strong being the that main guy, um, I have him as my second ranked quarterback in this class. Yeah, he has an absolute bazooka. And he basically completed 70% of his passes in an air raid system without being able to use his base. He basically completed 70% of his passes with his arm only. So he's figuring out how to reuse his base and he's generating even more power with his bazooka arm. So I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, But I don't think it'll happen. Um, I could be very wrong uh, because this is a brand new regime, but I just don't see how... uh, it would make sense unless you're playing the market and a guy like let's say Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell ends up available around like pick 70. Tyler. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Chris. I, I didn't know if we were going back and forth. So you go ahead and you, you oh, I was bring just, out. I was going to say, I tend, I tend to agree with you like that. The whole extending cousins thing kind of throws a wrench into uh, everything because he has that no trade clause. So essentially if, if the Vikings even want to trade him next year, he can be like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you that 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 it seems unlikely, but they can still maybe uh, put on the you know facade or whatever that they they might be interested in a quarterback, so that a team uh, will try and trade ahead of them or or trade with them to get up there to get a quarterback that that they want. So uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they draft a quarterback at least within the first four rounds. Uh, this year. All right, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> well, I was going to tell Tyler, I'm glad that it's snowing because otherwise I would be at Target Field instead of talking about the draft with you. Uh, but what I want to ask is this is a very weak quarterback or class, or at least one that people perceive as weak. Uh, Malik Willis feels like he's the only quarterback worth drafting in this class because of his trump cards, because of its big arm, because of his running ability, which is top shelf. You talked about Carson Strong and his arm, but you have questions about that knee that has been healthy. Out of the quarterbacks in this class, is Malik Willis the only one that you're really trusting here as far as a guy that could be an eventual franchise quarterback? Now, I'll say this. uh, From what I've been told about Carson Strong knee, it's fine. Um, You're going to hear conflicting reports, but I've been told he's been cleared, one, by uh, his own team doctors and senior bowl doctors, and two, the Los Angeles Rams cleared the knee as well. So... I lean towards the knee's going to be fine. It's not going to be a degenerative thing. And that's how I'm uh, playing out the draft process. If I'm told otherwise, I will change my opinions. But I, I don't really have an issue with that. His issues are almost all mobility. Um, and uh, your mileage may vary on if you want a Dan Marino-type quarterback who slides in the pocket or if you want a guy you can scramble. Um, and that's kind of where Malik Willis comes in. I think Malik Willis is a top five player in this draft class. And I am in the minority in saying so. There are a lot of people who have him in the 30s, in the 40s not even first-round grades. Here's the thing about Malik Willis. He had to play hero ball his entire career at at Liberty. He played with zero draftable talent this past year, and you could tell he bailed the pocket because he couldn't trust any of his offensive linemen to hold a block. He he has issues processing the field, but he can't trust his receivers to get open either because they're not good football players. And when you're playing decent defenses, it makes it incredibly hard. 
Um, Malik Willis to me has the upside of Michael Vick and every single one of his issues can be contextualized and explained. It's not, Oh, he's just bad. There's a reason for it. Uh, he bails the pocket. He can't trust anybody in his offense is backyard football, which his head coach, Hugh freeze came at me on Twitter for, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> two, he's playing with no talent around him. So he can't trust anybody in front of him. He can't trust anybody out wide. He feels he has to have it all on his shoulders. You get him in a decent system with capable NFL talent and watch him thrive. And that's that's what I'm betting on. If I were a general manager in the National Football League with the opportunity to select Malik Willis, I would risk my career for him. You know, I, I think, too, I think a lot of teams are kind of against Malik Willis because he's more of a project quarterback. A lot of people see those things and think he needs a year or whatever, and people act like it's a bad thing. I think teams now are less afraid of drafting a guy, giving him a year to develop and seeing what happens. I mean, the second quarterback in last year's draft was Trey Lance. We haven't even well, we saw him in a couple of starts and he looked a little shaky, but he looked like an adequate quarterback. He was sitting on the back. People knock these guys because of what they are not right now. But I think what people need to look at is what they could be five years down the road. With Willis, I think that's a guy that can develop into something. And you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. If the Detroit Lions are sitting there too, and man Campbell's sitting there going, I need a edge rusher for my defense or whatever. I'm telling him to shut up and I'm taking Malik Willis because the value is just bigger at that point. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Malik Willis is the man in this draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Malik Willis uh, has done so many different things. Uh, at the combine, he chose not to run because he didn't need to. The last thing Malik Willis needed was some old crotchety guy telling him he should be a running back or wide receiver like they did to Lamar <laughs> Jackson a few years back. Mm -hmm. uh, Willis has shown all the character. Uh, there's the viral video of uh, him being caught uh, helping out a homeless man on the street in Indianapolis during the combine. Uh, he wowed everybody during uh, interviews. Uh, both on the podium and in private settings. And like you saw it as pro day, he's got a Brett Favre enthusiasm about him. He hit that, that deep quote unquote pro day throw. And he's just running around with a smile on his face, just having a blast. Like that's the kind of character you want in your locker room. That is who exact, who I want uh, to be running my football team long-term. Plus the one thing that people don't talk about, which they should, his ceiling or sorry, his floor is much higher than people want to give him credit for because he's an elite runner. He doesn't have to be great at throwing the football right away. Craft a Jalen Hurts-style offense for him. Let him get comfortable. Let him start learning those progressions, seeing the field better. That A lot of these route concepts that are very simple, like slant flat, there's a chance he's never run that before until Mobile. And you could tell he, was, he wasn't comfortable with it. And that's okay, because it's when you are an athlete like that, College and high school coaches just try to maximize that to get wins. They don't try to maximize it for your development. And that's going to be the big disconnect between uh, the amateur level and the professional level. Once he gets to the pros, it's all hands on deck. You got to figure that out. You got to get comfortable with it quickly. And I think you will. All right, Tyler, uh, based on what they've done this offseason, you know, what approach do you think the Vikings should be taking with this year's draft? Should they go best player available should they draft for need or or draft for the future because it seems like they want to still be competitive next season uh, regardless of whatever anyone thinks about that they, they still want to try and get in the playoffs what do you think they should do 
I think I think you need to approach each pick differently. And what I mean by that is you need to approach each pick as its own in its own vacuum. So if at pick 12, you have a generational type player like Kayvon Thibodeau, who miraculously falls on the board, you take him. You don't worry about the fact that you have two starting edge rushers. You need edge presence anyways. And there is no certainty past this year for both Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith for this franchise. Uh, I think rushing a cornerback because you have a desperate need could be a big mistake. I don't like Derek Stingley Jr. at 12. I think there is too many questions and too much risk, even though the ceiling is Darrell Rivas. Like, that's how talented this guy is. But we haven't seen it uh, since 2019, and the Liz Frank injury gives me a lot of pause for concern. Yeah, um, You just got to take the be- uh, quote-unquote best player available. But we also have to remember with how NFL teams stack their boards, need is built into that equation, and the scheme fit is built into that. There are going to be some guys that aren't even on the board. Like, for example, like they're not going to take an offensive tackle at no. 12. If Evan Neal falls, they're going to try and trade out and let somebody else come get him because they don't have a need and they don't want to draft a 6'7", 335 pounder to play guard, even though he was very successful at it in 2019 as a freshman. They're going to be market manipulators in this draft in a different way than Rick Spielman was. Spielman wanted more shots at the at the dartboard. And that's why he collected all those seventh and sixth round picks. I think Quasey is going to be more calculated. He's going to move, maneuver the board to get players. Let's say a guy that's there at 12, he thinks is going to be there at 20, moves on to 20, goes and gets him. The Vikings end up doing that and getting Christian Derisaw. Like those are the kind of moves we're going to see from Quasey. We're not going to see them just to stockpile picks in the later rounds. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that because there's been a couple of years like the 15 pick year and the 11 pick year. I think, yeah, they had 11 or 12 last year. And it's just like when you cover the draft, it's like, you know, this is never going to end. So, uh, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this, this, this addition of Quasi. If it just means, you know, one seventh round pick or, or, or one sixth round pick, I'm, I'm excited about that just on its own. All right, Chris, what do you got? Well, Tyler mentioned Daryl Stingley Jr., uh, how he wouldn't touch him. Stingley actually ran a 4.37 40-yard dash at his pro day, but you said the injury issues are huge, and he's in that top tier of cornerbacks where you have Sauce Gardner, you have Trent McDuffie. Uh, Sauce called himself the best cornerback in the world the other day, which I like the confidence, but that's a little ambitious. And then you have Trent McDuffie, who a lot of Vikings fans may not be familiar with because he played at Washington. He was a Pac-12 after dark type guy. So of these three guys, if all three of them are at 12, and they won't be, but we're just saying in a fantasy scenario, which guy are you taking at the top of your list? If, I, if I'm if i taking corner at 12 and Sauce is available, it's Sauce 10 out of 10. Uh, yeah. His length, his size, his ball skills, like oh, in over a 1,000 coverage snaps, he didn't allow a touchdown at Cincinnati. That's unheard of. I don't care if it's Cincinnati and they play in the AAC. It, you know, it, you do that anywhere in college football. You're an impressive athlete. And that's that's somebody who I would want to bring in. Drives and press coverage can also do like a drop cover three. And the Vikings look to be doing a little bit more uh, drop zones instead of really man on man press, which uh, Sauce would be we'd be able to thrive in both. Um, Stingley, be careful with that name, Chris, because Daryl Stingley was his uncle who got oh, absolutely annihilated right. by Jack Tatum and paralyzed. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah, his uh, his uh, would not be a great got, draft pick. Yeah, 
<laughs> his dad, Doug Singley Sr., was an Arena Football League star for eight years uh, hmm. through various teams. So there is a really heavy football lineage. But even though he tested well, like I'm still worried about his – he's got soft tissue injuries. He had issues with the foot in both years. And the tape never came close to improving or staying stagnant from 2019. It felt like 2019 was more of an anomaly than it was going to be the norm. I'm not comfortable taking him at 12. If you want to take him at 20 or 25, I'm in. The value is more in line with where he's currently at, even though the projection is just through the roof. I'm not comfortable taking a guy who I genuinely have no idea if he's going to come close to his ceiling. That's too rich for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I've been having some questions about him too. Cause just because of the, the, the foot issues, they, they scare me a little too, because it seems like uh, the guys the Vikings are bringing in, at least in free agency are guys that actually don't miss games uh, in their career. And they're, they're no matter like if they're like the top at their position, they're, they're, it seems like they're focusing more on reliability than maybe the the previous regime was, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what positions do you think the Vikings can wait on drafting until like the mid round this year and still land someone who can make a significant impact as a rookie? So essentially, I'm asking, you know, what are some of the deepest positions in this draft class? So the deepest positions are honestly the ones that you're going to want to attack early too. Edge goes about 10 to 15 deep yet like your 20th ranked edge you could get in the fourth round and still feel pretty good about what kind of impact they can make um cornerback is also relatively deep it's more top heavy than you see at edge but you can get guys on day two and feel pretty comfortable about them being able to make somewhat of an early impact wide receiver is the same way uh, i think it tails off after about round four and you're it's a little more murky at that point. Some people are calling this class overrated. I'm not one of those people. I think the top five is, is tremendous and you could stack them in any order. And I really wouldn't complain about it. And then the the last uh, position um, that's relatively deep. It's so you can get tight ends and linebackers on day two and day three and feel pretty good about it. Tight end is not stacked at the top. It is relatively deep. You can get really good players in round four, and with the Vikings having a needed tight end more later in the draft, you can get a guy like Ohio State's Jeremy Rucker, who's going to be more of an inline guy, which is what you want in the system anyways, because Irv Smith Jr. is just not going to be able to play that Tyler Higby role. You're, you're going to want to flex him out more wide. And that's that's somewhere where I think the Vikings could really target because it would match with value. It would match a potential depth need. And like linebacker, kind of the same thing. You don't need one right now, but you have to prepare for Eric Hendricks' exit. Jordan Hicks is only on a two-year deal. You can't trust Troy Die, Blake Lynch. They're, they're okay. Well, you're not, you don't you, want them starting for you. You're not like the, the number one fan of Chaz Surratt? Come on. I didn't like the Surratt pick when it happened. Um, I have no idea if he can still shed a block because he couldn't do it in North Carolina. I don't know <laughs> if he can do it in the pros, but I'm not counting on it. Um, that was so that was... weird. Yeah, I think he was the first third round pick out of that group, wasn't he? Because there Mond was, was no, it, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you had Mont, you Mond, had Surratt. Surratt, Davis, Jones. I didn't like any of them. Uh, <laughs> Neither like, okay else. No, Mike Zimmer didn't like either of, either of them either. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty evident. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. 
So my question for you now is Darren Wolfson was on score North today and he was talking about Drake London and Garrett Wilson in particular. I guess I'll broaden this out a little bit to the entire wide receiver class. You talked about the best player available. And if you're sitting there at 12 and all the corners, or even if Derek sting or Derek, Derek, right? Yes. Derek. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting tripped up on that thing now, but Derek (laughs) Stingley Jr. is off the board, you know, instead of an edge rusher, instead of a defensive position, should the Vikings just say screw it and take a wide receiver because Adam Thielen's not getting any younger um, behind them. You still have a lot of question marks with KJ Osborne and Amir Smith Marset. What do you think about taking a receiver in round one? Take him. I want Chris Olave. I will, I will, I will fight my mother to take Chris Olave at 12. No, no, don't do that. No, well, I won't actually fight my mother, but you get, you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, I will pound the table for Chris Olave nonstop. And reason being, uh, he reminds me so much of Justin Jefferson in a myriad of ways. Uh, The way he's overlooked, um, the way he snaps his routes off with elite precision and just how athletic he does it. He's got straight line speed to go deep. He's a little underrated at high pointing the football. He needs to get play strength. He is not great uh, yards after the catch wise because the second he gets touched, he's going down. And I think with the NFL strength and conditioning program, you can bulk him up from the 180s at to about 195. And I think you'll be able to see a little bit more growth in that area. But I would love to take a wide receiver early. Olave is my number one. Um, I I desperately, desperately do not want to go to to see him go to Green Bay because he will become Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams. And Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. That's that should scare everybody because Mm -hmm. of the skill set he has with football IQ. It's just dirty. So Olave would be my pick. Um, I was disappointed to hear Doogie not drop that name, but the nice part about it, that doesn't mean he's necessarily out of question per se. Um, London and Wilson would both be great ads. Wilson is being comped a lot to Stefan Diggs. Um, so he's that style of player, really good yards after the catch, elite body control going up and high pointing the football. And Drake London is a, a big boy, 6'5", 210, is a better athlete than you think. Um, he's his probably best comparison is Brandon Marshall or Michael Thomas. Those guys who are just, they're not burners, but they know how to win. They know how to use their body. They know how to maximize what gifts they do have. And I think he's going to be a really, really good player playing both inside and out for whoever takes him. So both of those guys, I think would be excellent additions. If I had to pick anybody in this draft class, if Thibodeau and uh, Kyle Hamilton don't fall. It's Chris Olave. All right. Uh, yeah. I, go ahead, Chris. Well, one more quick thing that I wanted yeah. to point out. I mean, with London, you mentioned Brandon Marshall. I was watching a little bit of his highlights today. He reminded me a lot of Alshon Jeffrey, just a more athletic version uh, where he's a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit better of a route runner. He's a great contested catch guy. I'm not entirely sure if that's what the Vikings want. I like the idea of Olave and Wilson uh, on the Vikings. But even if you wait later, I mean, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, you got uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. There's a lot of sneaky receivers in this draft. And I mean, if I'm the Vikings, I'm taking one on day one or two because that's what the Rams did. They stockpiled weapons. They made sure they had depth. And it took until the Super Bowl when everybody was either injured or ineffective that they finally had to say, okay, we're just going to pump Cooper Cup full of targets. 
I'll say this. I doubt Sky Moore and Christian Watson will be available at 46. I can see both of them potentially sneaking up in round one. There's a scenario where the top five receivers are gone by the 20th selection and the New England Patriots take one of those guys because they desperately need receiver, even with the addition of Devontae Parker. They don't have anybody to great separator. Like That's what you need in this league. You need separators. You don't need big guys. And that's what's unique about Drake London. He doesn't necessarily create separation naturally just with his athleticism and speed. But what he does is he uses his body to create that separation, gives you a large window and a catch radius to throw the football to. Um, this class is going to be very interesting to see how it shakes out. But the real uh, tell is going to be if Green Bay or Kansas City uses their two picks to move up and go get a guy because they have the firepower to. And like if all those receivers are gone, what do they do? Who do they take at the back end of the first round? So if the Vikings want to get one and they want to get a really good one, you got to take one right away. Yep. Uh, I think Packers would just draft another running back and, and tight end again with, with their first two picks. They listen, you know, listen. I loved, I loved that, but I am a big Josiah Deguara fan, and it <laughs> hurt me a lot to see him go there and to get slandered because uh, he's a great football player. <laughs> I'm sure hey, or they, they could draft another, another quarterback. They could do another quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go yeah, draft Kenny Pickett. Pickett. Yeah. yeah, there I, we I, go. I don't like Kenny Pickett. I don't think he should go before round three. And he's going to go uh, in the top 10, and I'm just going to laugh my way to the bank. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is it because of the small hands, or what is it about Kenny Pickett that kind of that you're down about? Because a lot of people well, are high on him. Well, the small hands, look, I don't Scarred want to. Scarred Culpepper. And, and Kenny Pickett's hands are an inch smaller than Culpepper's. Culpepper's oh, is still no. nine and a half. <laughs> like, uh, we're talking historically small. But let me oh, ask no. you this. When you watch Kenny Pickett, what's great about him? What is that standout trait that is great that you can build on? I don't see exactly that. Silence says everything. There is none. (laughs) He is a jack of all trades, master of none. He's he's a guy. He's average, uh, average to slightly above average at everything. And he didn't put it uh, all together until this past year at 23 years old. He's not a young pup. Like you want to put him on a team that's already destined to go win. He would have been a great pick for the Broncos because he would be able to slide in, do everything right the first year. And at year five, that's the end of your window. Because if you extend him, you're going to be in uh, purgatory like the Vikings are with Kirk Cousins because he's not going to be worth what you're paying him. So I would, because he has no dominant trait, I want nothing to do with him in the first two rounds. And that's one of the reasons why I'm all in on Malik Willis because the ceiling uh, just like how I wrote about how he could be the next Josh Allen back in January is that of Josh Allen, Michael Vick. It's so sky high. It's immeasurable right now because the arm talent and rushing ability is through the roof. Ugh, I feel so bad for him. If he got drafted by the Panthers though, um, I feel <laughs> yeah. that, that, that would not be good. Kenny Pickett's probably going to the Panthers. If we're being honest, yeah. Matt rule yeah. recruited him and got him to commit yep. to temple before he left for Baylor. Yep. Yep. It's like the Will Smith meme now. Keep my bleeping name out of your mouth, Matt Rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Getting back on track here. Which player or position group would surprise you the most as the selection for the Vikings in the first round of this year's draft? So they draft someone in the first round, you're like, ooh. Or you're like, oh, okay. Uh, so which w- what would surprise you in the first round for, with the Vikings? 
offensive tackle, um, I really don't yeah. think that they'll take one. So I'll kind of go a different direction. Linebacker. Um, Devin Lloyd, really good football player. He's going to be 24 uh, here pretty soon, which is relatively old. And we're going to see that a lot this year, which is going to be very intriguing. Do the COVID-19 extra year. We're going to see that uh, for a couple more years as well, seeing older guys um, going through this draft process. And a lot of teams have age thresholds where if you're above a certain age, they don't want you because it, you're going to have a shorter prime in the NFL after you adjust to the game. And there are a lot of metrics that that'll say that younger is better. Uh, but I just I don't see them going linebacker because Lloyd has some pass rush ability. Same with the Kobe Dean, but neither one of them are true pass rushers. And I just don't see that position. And especially in this defense, it's not that valuable. So I I don't see it being a a great add in round one. Um, maybe if they trade back to like 30, but uh, I I can't see it. Other than other than Kyle Hamilton, is there a first round safety? Oh, there's a couple. Uh, Lewis Seen yeah. out of Georgia and Daxton Hill from Michigan. Both of them can go first round. And outside sleeper, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Um, they used him like Honey Badger, just roaming all over the field, um, fast, athletic, um, hits like a pit bull, like just a very, very good football player. Um, you, and you've got Seen and Daxton Hill who can kind of do a little bit of everything. They both can come down and play in the slot. Hill is a secondary weapon. We're seen as more of a little bit of a traditional safety. Um, both are great football players and would be excellent ads if you can move, if you move down in the draft. But there are safety talents that should go round one and deserve to go round one. Right. That's good. Another defensive position that I was kind of wondering is uh, edge rusher because I know the Vikings smoothed things over with Daniel Hunter for a year, but his contract is ready to blow next year. And then you also have Zadarius Smith whose back is like a ticking time bomb with that bulging disc is there's a lot of great edge rushing prospects. Kayvon Thibodeau might slip to the Vikings at 12, the way people are talking. Like if the Vikings took an edge rusher in round one, like I, I don't know if it surprises the word, but is it a wise move? Should they get depth there? What do you think about this edge rusher class? Take an edge rusher. I would love if they took an edge rusher. You can never have too many of those guys. Look at some of the past winners uh, of the Super Bowl. Like, let's go back to 2017. That Eagles team, they went eight deep. They rotated guys in and out, kept them fresh, and they were great at the end of that Super Bowl with uh, Brandon Graham and Chris Long just annihilating Tom Brady. Like, you need to have multiple pass rushes. You need to be multiple faceted in that game. If Jermaine Johnson or Kayvon Thibodeau were able to come in and be that third guy, you could play him outside. You could play him inside. And you could do a lot of fun things. I know that the Packers did a lot. It was Darius Smith standing up in the A-gaps. The Vikings did that with Daniel Hunter, too. He had both those guys in the A-gap, Jermaine Johnson, as a three technique, and just let them go have some fun. Like Pass rush should is a high-priority need. I would argue it's a bigger priority need to secure that pass rush than it is to draft a cornerback. Whether you uh, decide to commit to Zadarius Smith or Daniel Hunter long-term or draft a guy, I feel like that should be the top priority in round one. And then rounds two through five, get two corners. All right. This is going to be my last question. I don't know if you have any more questions, Chris, but, um, and this is not the draft. This is just something I, I said the last episode, which we were grading the Vikings offensive, or not offensive, offseason moves. And I gave them a C minus because 
I don't think they got any better this offseason. I feel like a lot of the team is the same. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think the Vikings got better this offseason uh, roster-wise? Because because uh, we also don't know anything about the head coach. He's he's nicer than Mike Zimmer, um, but we don't know if if he's better. So what do you think about the Vikings offseason? Did they get better this offseason? I'm going to give the offseason so far a C plus. I genuinely don't know. They're putting all their eggs in the Mike Zimmer was bad basket and Kevin mm-hmm. Connell is going to be good basket. Here's the problem I see with that. Look, it's great that you want to fix all the faults of Mike Zimmer, but you're also expecting all of his positives to stay steady. That's not how that works. You're going to see regression in the areas that Mike Zimmer was great at. He was an elite schemer. He was an elite blitzer. That Without Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, the last, what, 10 weeks of the year, that team ended up second in the NFL in sacks. That's a Mike Zimmer thing. How are we going to expect that to continue without having him? Look, did he suck with time management? Yeah. Did he suck with communication? Yeah. Was he too conservative at times? Yeah. But you saw some growth in some of those areas throughout the course of the last two years. I I just can't imagine Kevin O'Connell being the magic secret ingredient that all of a sudden makes this a Super Bowl roster. You're going to see regression in areas that were good or in areas that Zimmer helped last year. And you just can't expect everything to be flawless. And to me, that's what the Vikings seem to be doing that Kevin O'Connell is going to fix things right away. I don't buy it. I'm willing to change my opinion on that if he ends up proving me wrong. But I think this is a two to three year project and we're going to see a, a really bumpy 2022. So you're so, you're so negative, Tyler, you know, just you're, you're so <laughs> negative. Welcome uh, to realism. I'm a Vikings fan. That's, that's yeah. how I have to live. Yep. We're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you have anything else for Tyler? Well, and I, also want to kind of build on that. I also gave it a C plus last week yeah, because I felt like one of the most disappointing things was that there's not a lot of different moves. It's like, they just plugged Kevin O'Connell and like, go do it, buddy, go do your job. Like they extended Kirk. They restructured every contract. I already went on my Adam Thielen rant uh, for that (laughs) void year fiasco. (laughs) Like, I feel like at some point, Quasey has to distinguish himself from Rick Spielman. And at this point, it might just be in the draft. So do you think that Quasey is going to shine in this draft, kind of put his stamp on this thing? Or are we going to see them take Tyler Lindenbaum at 12 mm. because they need a center or, you know, force feed a corner? Like the, it just seems like it's the same old thing, which I find myself back in a rut thinking, okay, this is going to be a rough year and it's not going to feel like a rebuild, even though they use the word competitive rebuild. <laughs> I'll say this. I would not be mad if they took Linderbaum at 12. He is not Garrett Bradbury. People are going to make those comparisons because, look, we're tortured Vikings fans. We'll make comparisons mm-hmm. to anything that makes us, mm-hmm. that, that's hurt us in the past. Linderbaum, once he gets to the NFL, look, if he didn't have short arms, nobody would be questioning him at all. Nobody. His tape is damn near flawless. He's got power. He's got nastiness. He's able to anchor, like the term sand in your pants. He's got some sand in his pants. I don't have any <laughs> concerns with him being able to anchor. Like Aiden Hutchinson came around on a stunt. Linderbaum just stood him up and said, F you. Like that's that's something you don't see Garrett Bradbury do. So I I wouldn't necessarily be in love with the pick, but I get it. And I think he could have a Quentin Nelson type impact in the NFL where you, you put him in there and he's going to set a tone for the offensive line and everybody around him is just 
their talent's going to elevate and their performances as well. Um, I think Kwesi is going to really take his stamp because this feels like a director from the Wilfs. We don't want to take a step back. This whole offseason is we want to be competitive. We're not going to fully rebuild Kirk Cousins' extension, the restructures of Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen, which Adam Thielen, oh, you took a pay cut. Yeah. No, you didn't. Like, don't lie to me. Like, when that came out, I was thrilled. And then when the news actually broke, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this might be Rob Brzezinski's worst contract of all time. Mm-hmm. But I think if Kwesi is going to put a stamp on this team, it has to be through the draft because the Wolves don't want to take steps back. They want to take steps forward or at least stay stagnant. Eight and nine is going to be okay with them the next couple of seasons if they see some growth because they they know that they'll be competitive throughout at least 15, 16 weeks. And then at the end, oh, one game left and we don't sell out. Uh, okay. Against like, the Bears. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it'll yeah. be as, as big of a deal. Um, <laughs> I'm very interested to see how he approaches draft uh, from an analytic and football standpoint mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he did work for John Lynch, big football guy, Andrew Berry, okay. scout, but a big analytics guy. So now he gets to run the show. And he gets to take advice from all these people. And how is he going to use that collaboration to maximize the Minnesota Vikings? I'm fascinated by what he's going to do. And the whole draft process, because of how indecisive this top 10 is, somebody really, really good could fall to 12. And I hope that they utilize that market knowledge and just jump on it. But, hey, I mean... Adam Thielen deserves every penny of that extension because he's from Minnesota. I mean, did you know he went to Mankato? Mankato is actually playing Minnesota in the Frozen Four in about 30 minutes here. So I just want to shout that out. And he played with Chris Reed and everything else. (laughs) Go Gophers. I love a good heel. Like, screw Mankato State. Hey, what what is Mankato? Don't they do like a horns up gimmick or something like that? Ooh. Well, Declan Goff calls them the uh, purple cows. Yeah, oh, well, no. uh, horns down. Uh, yeah, we're going, yeah, there you uh, go. Sky Yuma, go Gophers. Oh, no. Um, I'm glad I, I see Bob Motzko win a title. I'm glad I, I'm glad I live uh, thousands of miles away so I can't be, uh, you know, have pitchforks in my front door. But good luck to you guys. Um, Tyler, where can people find uh, your work and, and what's your Twitter Twitter handle for people to follow you? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at The Real Forno. I have a lot of work coming through for NBC Sports Edge and USA Today's The Vikings Wire. Um, I'll have a seven-round mock draft, which I've been releasing once a week for the past month or so, just exploring different situations. Mock drafts should be to explore how things could play out and try and figure out what happens based on how they play out. So I've taken a wide receiver in the first round. I've taken edge. I've taken. Uh, I've done a bunch of different things and tried to ex- really explore those situations because you should be prepared for anything. Um, the only thing you really can't be prepared for is a Laramie Tunsil gas mask. Um, <laughs> I also have, uh, I had part two of an eight part series dropped this morning for NBC sports edge um, where we take a division and pair that pick each team's three biggest needs and pair prospects uh, with their first three selections. Um, the AFC West dropped today. Um, the NFC North, I believe will drop a week from Tuesday. So okay. be on the lookout for that. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I also have my show Monday nights, the real forno show, um, 8 PM central on the climbing the clock YouTube channel partner with the daily Norseman. And I've got Thor Nystrom of NBC sports edge on, and we're going to talk skill positions. We're going to talk quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, uh, tight ends, and how he and I are the only two people that seem to be in love with Malik Willis. And we don't understand the rest of everyone else. 
he's 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 feeling pretty good though probably because kansas just won so oh <laughs> i got i got a phone call from him after that game that he <laughs> was having fun oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, go follow up. Championship. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, no I, I, I got two national titles uh, in the past 15 years for my Florida Gators, so I kind of remember, oh. but I didn't get to enjoy them nearly as much as I wanted to because I was in high school. Yeah, you, but but they had like the basketball and the football like team in the same year. Oh, it was uh, a it was a fun four year stretch, and then Urban yeah. Meyer decided to be Urban Meyer, and we don't like him. Oh, oh, <laughs> my heart. Okay. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Ah. Um, all right. Go check out all the Teller stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Follow the Viking Age on Twitter uh, and like us on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to this channel and like this video. And don't forget about that Justin Jefferson jersey giveaway. You can check out the uh, link in the description for that. That will be going on until May 6th. So you got yeah, quite a while. You can do up to four entries when you enter. So go check that out. The link in the description. But uh, until next Monday, which will be without me and Chris Shad will have his own special guest, um, we will uh, we'll talk to you later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.